Whether you're single, married, uh, disinterested, <laughs> or waiting, like we're going to speak to uh, each and every one of you uh, through this series. So we're excited about jumping into this today uh, to explore what the Lord uh, is going to do. One of the most common desires of that humans have is the desire for love. Can I get a witness? Amen. Everybody wants to be loved by somebody. And for somebody to love them back, they, they want to be loved. Love me, please. I want somebody to love me, please. Love all of me, too. Don't love part of me. <coughs> they want them to love them back, no, ma- no matter whether it's romantic love, family love, or friend love. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, the Bible has much to say about love and the different kinds of love that we experience in our relationships. The heart and theme of the Bible I don't know if you know this, but the heart and the theme of the Bible is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Everything that happened from Genesis to Revelations is all about God's great love for his people and his desire to be in relationship with them. So all of the scriptures are about God's love. Specifically, the kind of love that resulted in him sending his only son into the world to die for us. The Bible makes a unique revelation about 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 God's love and his and his nature and his essence actually being love. First John four eight tells us that God is love. And Jesus explains to us how love for God for neighbor and self should be prioritized within our lifestyle, okay? So that's what we want to explore over these next four or five weeks, okay? Y'all good? Y'all ready? Y'all need to stretch? None of that? Anybody need to stretch? Like, a little bit over, okay? Worship team had me wrecked up here in the morning. There you go. Thank somebody back there stretching. Worship team had me broken up. I think I popped one of my buttons, like, leaning over and stuff like that. Listen, <laughs> there it goes right there, matter of fact. That's, that's my button. There's two. Wow. I don't know if there's two, but I know one of them's gone. <laughs> Listen. Uh, Mark chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 28 through 34-ish, um, through 34 I'm going to read all of it. Um, so turn in your Bibles there. If not, um, oh, I'm going to tag this text today as real love. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, somebody had, oh, somebody had it. Real love. There you go. We got, we in it. Matthew chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight. Hear these words of our Father. It says that one of the scribes approached when he had when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. Doesn't Jesus always answer us well? It may not be the answer that we like, but he always answers us well. He asked him, he asked him, saying, which command is the most important of all? What a question. Jesus answered, he said, the most important is this. Then he begins to quote what is known as the Shema, 
from Deuteronomy. He says, listen or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with some of your soul, with a little bit of your mind, and with a partial bit of your strength. It doesn't say that. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandments greater than these. Then the scribe said to him in verse 32, he says, you are right, teacher. Like Jesus needed him to tell him that. (laughs) You have said correctly that he is one and there is no one except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Father, bless these your words. Speak through me, uh, your vessel, God. I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth. And let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I place my trust in Jesus name. And the whole church said, amen. So in 92, Mary J. Blige released a song on her What's the 411 album. Half of y'all weren't born in 92. That's okay. We're going to work with it anyway. She released this hit single called Real Love, right? Uh, and, and in the song, she said, real love, I'm searching for a real love. Someone says, my heart free, real love. Uh, there you go. I need my sopranos in here. <laughs> so she says, I'm searching for a real love, someone to set my heart free, real love. And... You know, we're all about finding freedom at this church. We're all about finding freedom through living woven. So what what Mary J. really need, what she really was saying, she said, listen, I need a community around me. She says, I needed a community around me that's going to live woven with me, that's going to help me find freedom from the challenges that are binding my life, that that have got me bound. I need a real love. And so I want to submit this idea to you today is this, is that real love displays God's care for all image bearers. Real love displays God's care for all image bearers, not just married image bearers, not just image bearers with kids, not just image bearers with a lot of money, not just image bearers with with less melanated skin, not image bearers with darker melanin in their skin. Not just you. He says, it says that God's love displays God's care for all image bearers. It's, it's Black History Month, too, uh, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff. But today, we're looking at what it means to love our neighbor. Loving our neighbor. See, real love starts with this. Real love, I'm in verse 28, real love starts with recognizing Jesus. Come on, somebody, help me preach this thing today. Real love starts with recognizing Jesus. 
The passage says here, it says that the, one of the scribes, he approached Jesus. Uh, and if you are going to recognize Jesus, you've got to be willing to approach him. See, some of you, you took that first step today. You walked through the front door. Some of you took that step today and you got up out of the bed when you weren't really feeling like it. You weren't feeling your best, but you made an attempt to approach Jesus today. And see, if you are going to recognize Jesus and real love starts with recognizing Jesus, then you've got to be willing to approach him. See, that word, it means to draw near to Jesus. That word means to draw close to him. It means to, to be in his presence, to be near to him, to ascend him. Figuratively, the word means to worship him. And if you're going to ha have real love, you've got to know that it starts with you recognizing Jesus. And if you're going to approach him, guess what? You've got to approach him in the spirit of worship. See, Jesus told them, he said, listen, that the day is coming where they will no longer worship on this mountain or, or that mountain, but they're going to worship me. Those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. So we need a little bit of truth today. Amen. And we definitely need some of his spirit today. Amen. If we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. So it says that he approached one of the scribes approached him. See, Jesus had just finished jamming up the Sadducees. See, the Sadducees were talking junk to Jesus and talking to him about the resurrection and trying to trip him up about stuff. See, the Sadducees, the way you know the difference, this is a corny Bible, uh, Bible college joke. The way that you know the difference between the Pharisees and the scriptures and the Sadducees is that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So they were sad, you see. All right. That's enough. <laughs> so they didn't believe in the resurrection. So Jesus is he's jamming them up about the resurrection he, he's walking them through and, and, and he's selling them you know he says render to caesar what's caesar he's, he's talking to them about his suffering and his service he predicted his death to them and all of this is right after his triumphal entry into the city according to mark so but the, the scribe after hearing jesus jam up these sadducees he walks up to jesus and he says man jesus uh, you really answered them well and it says that when he heard them debating he saw that Jesus had answered them well. See, the scribe was able to recognize Jesus because he discerned truth in the midst of debate. Can I tell you that there's so much debate going on about Jesus today? There's so much debate happening about Jesus and his existence and, and who he is and where he comes from and all those different varying things. Like, There's so much debate going on about who Jesus is. But the, the, the scribe here, he was able to see Jesus with his mind because he saw Jesus with his eyes. The word here for saw, it means to discern or to see with the mind. So the scribe was able to see with his mind because he fixed his eyes onto Jesus. I'm in here already today. Listen, it says here that he was able to see Jesus because he placed his eyes on him. And I'll submit to you today is that you've got to put your eyes on Jesus in order to see him. Look up at the screen. You see the screens here? You can see the words on the screen now, can't you? You can see the words on the screen is because you fixed your eyes onto the screen. But can I tell you this? You could see those words even while you're looking at me. Because you can see them in your peripheral vision. And those words were always there. They didn't just get up there when I told you to look up there. Those words were always there. They were already there. 
And the same is true about Jesus. He is right there by your side, even when you can't see him in the midst of your circumstance. Jesus is right there in the midst. He's right there in your presence, even when you can't see him, because he's always there for you, because he said he would never leave you or forsake you. Jesus is always right there, even though you're not looking directly at him. But that's why you got to fix your eyes on to Jesus. The word literally here means it means to stare at him. Like be weird and stare at Jesus. <laughs> but listen, you got to see him and we've got to stare at Jesus in order to recognize him. At times we see Jesus, but we don't recognize him. Come on, somebody. See, at times we see Jesus, but we don't recognize him. See, remember back in the day, y'all probably remember this, some of y'all might remember this. Back in the day, if a joker was disrespecting you, you walk up to him, you'd be like, you better recognize, son. Like, what that meant, translation that meant, is that you better stop disrespecting me and recognize me for who I am. I'll put hands on you. In Jesus' name, I will. So... So what this passage is teaching us is this. You better recognize. You better recognize who Jesus is in your life. When stuff is going on, it's going crazy, guess what? You better recognize. When they're tripping out on your job and, and they're passing out pink slips and all that, guess what? You better recognize. See, when, when, when your girlfriend is tripping and she's acting crazy, guess what? You better recognize. When the teachers on, in school, they're acting nutty and they're trying to jam you up on different kind of stuff, guess what? You better recognize who Jesus is in your life. And Jesus is the one who will keep you. Jesus is the one who will protect you. Jesus is the one that will sustain you. Jesus is the one that will lift you up. Jesus is the one that will carry you through and through. Jesus is a way maker. Jesus is the one who will give you everything that you need. You better recognize his power. You better recognize his might in your life. We don't serve no weak, wimpy God. We serve the God of the universe. We serve the God who told the ocean, he said, hold on, chill, I'm doing something right now. He told the ocean, watch your mouth, because I'm over here talking to my disciples. That's the kind of God we serve. You better recognize who he is. He's not some weak wimp. He's not some blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude who's always with a halo over his head, like, peace be unto you. Like, that's not who Jesus was. Jesus was a scrappy carpenter. He walked up on people sometimes and he flipped some tables. He did. He wasn't some weak wimp who was getting pushed over uh, by the religious leaders. He called them, listen, you whitewashed sepulchers, you better back up out of my face. He may not have said it that hard, but I had to put a little Camden on it. I'm sorry. This is, this is who I am. Forgive me. But listen, how do you recognize his might? How do you recognize his power? Step one. Ready? Love the word. That's step one. Everything you need to know about Jesus, about his might, about his power, is in here. Everything you need to know. Step two. Pray. Commune with God the Father. Talk to him. Spend some time with him. And I'm not talking about, you know, 
I pray seven hours a day. No, no relax. Not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, like, as you're walking into that board meeting and you don't know what's about to happen, just, Jesus, Lord, be with me. Lord, just, just be with me, God. I, I'm nervous right now, and I don't, I don't really have the words to say once I get into this meeting, but, Lord, help me out here. I, I, I just need you to tell me what to do and tell me what to say, how to act, how to live, and how to respond to these questions. God, give me supernatural ability when I walk up in this boardroom. We need to pray. And it said here that when he, when the man saw that Jesus answered them well, he said to him, this, this word here for answer, it, it, it literally means Jesus was, was giving them an answer to the questions that they had. So Jesus, recognizing Jesus means knowing that he will respond when you call him. Recognizing Jesus means knowing that he will speak and he will help you find the answers to your life's dilemma. Jesus will respond. He will answer when you call him. And not only that, but he will answer you well. See, this word for well, it means that Jesus will excellently answer you. He will beautifully answer you. See, see, in, in the tapestry of what God is doing, the tapestry that God is weaving together in your life. Listen, if you turn a tapestry over, it looks crazy. It looks like just a bunch of loose strings all over the place, and you can't really tell what it looks like. And that sometimes is your life. Sometimes you turn over the tapestry of your life, and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on right now. But once you allow Jesus to flip that thing over, you can begin to see the beautiful picture that he is weaving together through the word, through community, through coming through worship and through living woven with Jesus. You begin to understand the realities of that. See, and you got to recognize that real love is beautiful. It's excellent and it's honorable. If you're in a situation where somebody's saying that they love you and they don't make you feel beautiful, ladies, I'm talking to you. If they don't make you feel beautiful, if they don't make you feel honorable, guess what? That's not love. If they don't make you feel excellent, guess what? That's not real love. So, single folk. If that's you, guess what? You got a great option. Guess what you get to do? Guess what you get to do? Leave. Just walk away. Ain't no thing. Just walk away. Like, you single. Like, go ahead and do your thing. Married folk, guess what you get to do? Not leave. <laughs> Let me make that clear. <laughs> Married folks, what you get to do is say, hey, listen, um, you, you can't talk to me like that, number one. Uh, number two is if you talk to me like that again, I'm going to call some of the brothers of the church and they're going to come over here and they're going to jam you up in your face for talking to me like that. Those are your options. Okay? If you're single, right, and that joker tries to walk up on you with some weak game, right, that makes you feel less than honorable, cat calling you and all that jazz, guess what? You better tell him, <laughs> you know who I belong to? I belong to the king. You better back up off of me. You better recognize. Y'all in it today, boy. I'm telling you, y'all in it. Real love is beautiful, excellent, and honorable. 
And you can find that. Guess why? You can find that in Jesus because you can find that in him. And guess what he does? He says, listen, I'm crafting some jokers and I'm making some jokers new in me and I'm making them new creations in me. And guess what? If you're single and you're looking, guess what? They're out there. You can find them. Um, They're mostly probably in the church. You can find them and they'll they'll work with you like you can work with them and and you can have a relationship. I got to move. Listen, it says that the next point is this real love comprehends the important things. Real love comprehends the important things. See, Jesus answered. He asked him the question, what, what command is the most important of all? Which, which one? And Jesus responded. He said, well, the most important is this. Listen. O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So Jesus is telling him that the foremost thing that you need to recognize in your life is God. The the foremost thing that you must know in your life is that you must have a relationship with God the Father. That's the foremost, most important thing in your life is for you to have a relationship with God the Father. Here's here's the weight of this word uh, in the Greek. This word has to do with ranking. So, in other words, Jesus must rank first on your priority list. In fact, I'll say this to you. Jesus Jesus must be on his own list. Jesus don't belong on the list of other things that you've got going on. Jesus doesn't even belong on the same list as your boyfriend. Jesus don't belong on the same list as your job. He, he, he don't belong on the same list. So you, you've got to put him first in rank, in influence, and in honor. So Jesus is letting us know that the first thing in our life that must be good, if we're going to have real love, is that we must have a relationship with God the Father. And he tells them, listen, or hear. Hear, O Israel, what Jesus is saying, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. The Shema was something that all of the Jews were supposed to know and recite by heart. They were supposed to be able to say this at the drop of a dime. They're supposed to teach this to their children and their children's children and all that stuff like that. It was supposed to be a thing that they all knew and all understood. So Jesus is now taking that same thing after he just got done arguing with some Jews, and he's telling them, listen, the most important thing is this. Hear. Listen. The Lord our God is one. See, Jesus is calling us to listen, which means to comprehend these things about the Lord. He's calling them to comprehension. uh, And oftentimes, this is what we need to know, is that in, in comprehending the things of God, we often can't comprehend until we have a relationship. There's some things that you won't know about that person that you're with until, guess what? You are in a committed relationship with them. Single folk, let me help you out. If the dude says, come live with me uh, so that we can know one another better, he's lying to you. Because guess what? There's just something, and I can't explain it. I, I got friends who lived together before they were married and all that jazz. And guess what happened? When they got married, after we talked to them and convinced them about getting married, after they got married, you know what they said? They said, you know what? There's just something different. There's something that happens inside of a covenant relationship. 
There's something that happens within the bonds of a covenant relationship that God is doing and working and moving something different where you can begin to comprehend some things about that person that you didn't comprehend before. I'm going to move because y'all quiet. But Jesus is calling us to listen, which means to comprehend things about him. Here's what he's saying you got to comprehend. He's saying that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. First thing you got to comprehend is that he is the Lord. You got to comprehend that. Lord is the word which, which, curios, which, which means to be the possessor of all things. It's a word that defines being a ruler. Uh, so in other words, it, this, this word, it talks about he whom the one, he's the one whom we belong to. And as you recognize Jesus as Lord, guess what? You got to recognize he's your ruler. And that means that when he tells you to do something, guess what? You got to do it. When he commands you to do something, guess what? You better get your butt in motion towards doing the thing that he's told you to do, or there will be some consequences and repercussions. So the first thing you got to recognize is Jesus is Lord. The next thing, this is a beautiful one. You got to recognize this. He says, the Lord, watch what he says, our God. See, the beautiful thing about being in Christ is that in Christ you belong to the Father. And, and guess what? The Father belongs to you. He imparts his spirit to you when you're in Christ. And guess what? Now he is yours. Can you capture that reality that the God of the universe is yours? And guess what? He longs for us to be in relationship with him. He longs for that. How do I know that? Before the foundations of the world, he sent his son. To come and die for us. Jesus, God longs for us so much. He loves us so much. Uh, and we think oftentimes that, that if we read the Old Testament, we see this, 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 this God who was, who was doing crazy stuff and, 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 and punishing people and all that. But God, he longs for us to be in relationship with him. So you got to recognize that he's God. you got to comprehend that he is God. He... This word God here is the word theos, but it can mean exceeding. He is beyond what we can even imagine. See, real love causes you to see people not as they are, but as you can imagine them. See... Real love will cause you to see people for, not for how they're acting, but for who they could be. See, real love causes you to look, because love overlooks offenses. Like, real love will cause you to look at your spouse and say, listen, I don't know who you are right now, but I know who you are in Jesus, and you better start acting like the person that you are in Jesus, or we're going to have some rough conversations. See, real love will... Real love is sometimes it gets you into trouble. It does. Because sometimes you hang around too long. Come on. Sometimes you hang around too long with someone who isn't as you imagine them. 
See, sometimes we spend our dating relationship and our dating years imagining somebody to be something that they are not. We spend our time imagining them to be something that we think they could be or that we think they might be. What really, that scoundrel that you see is the scoundrel that he is. And at times, seeing beyond what you're, seeing them beyond what you actually see can be the glue in your relationships. Having an I see in you conversation, particularly with your friends and your children and even your spouse, like that leads to growth. You tell them, I see in you a great man, son, and I, I know that you, you're, 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 you're a preteen and you got a lot of circumstances going on. And you got things happening and all your friends are saying this and saying that. But guess what? I see you in a great godly man. You got to speak into their lives. Tell them what you see in them. That can be the glue for your relationships. The last thing you got to see is this. You got to comprehend that he is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This word can mean he's the only. There's no other. And he's the one. You could take that like the matrix sometimes, like he's the one. dodging bullets and all that stuff. But what I want you to capture from this is this word can be rendered as abundantly. See, God is more than you will ever need. See, real love is about recognizing that God is all you need. Real love is about recognizing that he is the only one that you need. Money can't do it. Cars can't do it. Clothes can't do it. Women can't do it. Men can't do it. Finances won't be able to do it. But God is enough. Oh, I wish I had a church in here today that knew that God was enough. He's all that you need. He's he's the only one that you need. He is enough. I got to move. Next idea is this, is that real love, I'm in verse 30, real love cannot be discounted. Real love can't be discounted. Verse 30, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all your strength. See the Greek word here for love. This word agape. And I've, I've, taught, I've told, taught you guys this before. But the, the word for agape. It seems to be virtually a Christian invention. A, a new word for a new thing. And see apart from about 20 or so. Yeah, about 20 or so occurrences in the Greek version of the Old Testament. Uh, the Septuagint, it, it, it is almost non-existent in the, in the Old Testament. So 
this word was virtually non-existent before the New Testament. Agape draws its meaning directly from the revelation of God in Christ. What are you saying, preacher? This word agape is so unique that it only found its revelation in Jesus. This word agape is so unique. This word for love, this particular word for love, there's a, there's a couple words for love, uh, but this particular word for love in the New Testament is such a unique word that it, it seems to be paired with the revelation of Jesus. See, so now that Jesus is on the scene, you can love in ways that you never loved before. See, because now that Jesus is on the scene and he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit, you can love. Guess who you can love? You can love those that are unlovable. Because Jesus is on the scene now, guess what? You can love those who persecute you. Because Jesus is on the scene, you can love those that be hating on you and doubting on you in every single turn. I know you all think y'all got haters. So when your haters start hating, guess what you do? You love them. And the love, listen, God will, God will empower you to love even your haters. And you'll, you'll be so surprised by it that you'll be wondering, Dad, how did I get to loving them? We used to not like one another, and now we got love for one another. That's that agape, y'all. It's, it's, it's agape because here's what it does. It's not, it's not a form of natural affection. That's not what this word is. It don't have nothing to do with affection or natural affection. However, intense, but it's a supernatural fruit of the spirit. You can't love the way that God is calling you to love without his spirit. It's a basic element in Christ's likeness is that he gives you his spirit so that you can love. And see, love can only be known from the actions that it prompts. Love is an action. Y'all hear me? Love ain't just a word. It's an action. I love you, girl. You know what I'm saying? I know I cheated with 13 other girls, but you know what I'm saying? I love you. No, he don't. He don't love you. He loves lying. Love is an action. And love can only be known through actions. So if they're telling you they love you, but it don't line up with what they're doing, boo-boo, like, keep it moving. Give them the be some own voice. Yeah, yeah, like, get them moving. Like, get them out of there. Don't act like I'm the only one that know who B. Simone is up here. Y'all know who it is. Y'all tripping. <laughs> Christian love, watch this, is a fruit of God's spirit in us. And Christian love has God as its primary object. Here's what that means. I can love you even through what you've done to me because I'm not even looking at you, I'm looking at God. 
See, the reason you can love your enemy is because you're not focused on them. You're focused on God. See, real Christian love, real love has God as its object. It doesn't have the little ticky-tacky stuff that you've done to get on my nerves as its object. I'm stronger than that. I'm wiser than that. God has given me more than, than to focus on the little things that you try to do to get me to not love you. I'm going to look right past you, and I'm going to see God, and I'm going to love you. That's why I love it. That's why I, I get upset when people say, well, you just got to love on people. You gotta love no, sometimes loving people is telling them some hard truth. Sometimes love, loving people is giving them a dose of medicine that they wouldn't have got anywhere else. Sometimes loving them is, is sometimes loving them is keeping your distance from them for a season. Come on, we won't be honest. But this false idea of Christian love being this frilly and flowery thing all the time, that's not real love. Real love says sometimes, you know what, you hurt me, you did me dirty, and I'm going I'm to need some time away from you. But I'm going to come back in a little while, and guess what? We're going to talk about this thing. We're going to figure out what caused you to treat me like that, and we're going to figure out how we can move past it because I want to love you how God has called me to love you. It says, love him with, I'm landing this plane. It says, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, this, this word for all in the Greek is, is crazy. You know what it means? All. <laughs> it just means all. <laughs> it means all. It, com- it means completely, entirely, uh, utterly. One of the definitions is weird. It says with every wit. I was like, what is that? What is a wit? Like with every wit. So I had to look up the word wit. And the word wit, is, it has to do with every speck or jot or iota or shred or ounce. So it's saying, love God with every ounce of you. Love him with every jot and tittle of your strength. Love him with every speck of you. Come on. He's saying that you, you ought to empty yourself out in order to love God. You ought to empty yourself, watch this, of yourself so that you can love God truly. This word, it means actually. We have to actually love God. Do you love God? You don't love God? What's wrong with you? Listen, you've got to actually love him. Like, it's not a notion, people. Family of God. It's not a notion. You have to actually love him. There's so many folks out here pretending to love God when they actually love themselves. Ouch. That's us. We all can say ouch on that one. We're pretending to love God when we really love ourselves. That's why God tells you to move towards that neighbor that's been treating you wrong. You say, nah, I'm good. That's why when when God says, go apologize to your spouse, you say, I ain't do nothing wrong. They did something wrong to me. That's because we love ourselves more than we love God. 
I want you to see this. Real love cannot be discounted. You can't cheat God in loving him. You can't give him part of you. He don't want it. He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I don't want that. It's like the little girl with the porridge. Like, yeah, porridge is nasty. Yeah, get it out of here. God will spew you out. <laughs> Y'all pray for me up here because <laughs> I'm having thoughts about Goldilocks and the little three little bears. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> real love can't be discounted y'all you got to love god with all your heart here's what this means you got to love him with the thoughts and feelings uh that you have this, this word particularly means it means the vigor or enthusiasm of physical life listen that's why i push y'all doing worship that's why i say listen let's 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 go towards jesus with some enthusiasm Loving him with all of your heart means loving him with enthusiasm. One of my good friends, whenever I'm having a a little bit of an attitude with him about something, he would say, oh, I was about to say, (laughs) he says to me, do it with some joy in your heart. He says a word before that that I can't say right now. But he tells me, do it with joy in your heart. And I'll be mad. I'm like, "I, I am like. I'm just getting to it. Like, let me be. (laughs) But he said, do it with some joy in your heart. And he's short and he talks to me weird sometimes. And I tell him, you can't talk to me like that. Because I'm, (laughs) listen, love the Lord with all your heart. That means love him with enthusiasm and vigor. Love the Lord with all your soul. This, the soul is the vital force of your being. It has to do with the breath of life. Here's the beauty of this. The breath of life that you have, guess what? God gave it to you. And God is just calling you to love him with what he gave you. He's not calling you to conjure up something and form something to love him with. He says, listen, I want you to love me and I want you to love me with what I gave you. Love him with all your mind, not some of it. Some of y'all need this word. Listen, love the Lord with all your mind. Your understanding. Your thinking. Some of you act like you lost your mind when God is telling you to do something. Some of you live your life like you lost your mind. But God said, no, give me it back. Give me your mind. I want you to love me with all your mind. That means the thinking and the feeling and the understanding and the imagination. I want you to love me with all of that. And then love me with all your strength. That has to do with your might. And guess what? what this is so, this, listen, the Christian life is so fascinating because of this. He tells you to love him with all your, all, all your strength. And then guess what he tells you too? He tells you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So he gives you what you need in order to love him. He gives it to you. He also gives you what you need to love your neighbor. 
If you feel like you don't have what it takes to love people, well, guess what? You can tap right into the word that tells you that the joy of the Lord is your strength and he will strengthen you to do what you think is impossible to do. So love your neighbor. So my last idea is this, and I, I got to close. Real love has no stipulations or qualifications. Real love has no stipulations or qualifications. Jesus moves on to say that the second commandment is just like the first. He says the, command, the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And the reason we take, we, he tells us, we take very good care of ourselves. And I know we live in an age where we talk about self-care and you got to love yourself and all that stuff. That, I, I'm with that, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Cool, I got it. Love yourself. But nobody loves you better than you love you. Nobody. When you're hungry, guess what? You go to the refrigerator. You pull something out. Or you pull up to Wendy's, McDonald's, Five Guys, Panera, wherever you go. You pull up and you get you something to eat. And if somebody tried to tell you, you can't have nothing to eat. Swing your head back and forth, all that stuff. I'm grown. Nobody says I'm grown more than black people. (laughs) I'm grown. Relax. (laughs) Almost hurt my neck just (laughs) there. Listen. If somebody tries to tell you, listen, if you're cold, you won't go get a blanket or you're going to turn the heat up. See, some of y'all got into arguments this last night because the ones uh, didn't want to turn the heat up. The other one wanted to turn it up. Now, we can turn the heat up in here. It's cold. Like all that. <laughs> you're doing all that stuff. Nobody loves you better than you. You don't deprive yourself of anything. When you do, we call it dysfunction. So he tells them to love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the reality of being a Christian. When you don't love your neighbor like you love yourself, you're a dysfunctional Christian. When you don't seek to serve your neighbor like you would see yourself be served, you're a dysfunctional Christian. We have to treat our neighbors the way we treat ourselves, with care. Knowing their lives require the same necessities as ours. But oftentimes we try to justify it by bringing up a stipulation. This passage, in, in, a similar passage in Luke chapter 10, where the same kind of situation, speaking, and, and there's a man who says, ask him, love who, you love my neighbor, and all that stuff like that. He gives him all that. Then he asks him this question. In verse 29, it says, Luke 10, 29, it says this, wanting to justify himself, he asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, most of us are spending our time asking God, who's my neighbor? 
when God has made it abundantly clear to you who your neighbor is. He sent Mr. Rogers in your life to let you know who your neighbor was. <laughs> Won't you be? Won't you be? Won't you be my neighbor? But this agape, again, is a, this loving your neighbor is a, is a willful love, a determined love that generously chooses the interests of others. That's Philippians 2. Seeking the interests of others over the interests of ourselves. And God has called you to love your neighbor. You know what the word here for neighbor is? It's just the word for near. Whoever's near you, that's who you got to love. Whoever's near you, that could be your coworker, your spouse, your children, the person you walk past every day that sits in the same spot and you know they're hungry. That's your neighbor. You got to love them. close with this. Roger, you can come on. I'm done. There's a deacon living in a Berkshire village. He was was requested to, to give his prayers on behalf of a poor man with a very large family. man had broken his leg so he was now unable to work so they came past and they asked the deacon they said would you pray for him and he told them he didn't do like we do they would say yeah I'll pray for him and then you don't end up praying let's be honest you forget about it you go on about your busy life and you don't pray but the deacon of Berkshire he said I don't have time to pray right now. I can't stop to pray. The man was shocked. He said, but you're, you're a deacon. And the deacon told him, he says, I'm trying to get this thing ready over here. Just go downstairs in my cellar and get some corned beef, some salted pork, some potatoes, and some butter. That's the best I can do. This deacon was showing his love for his neighbor more than the man understood. Because he was showing his love for his neighbor, not through his words, but through his actions. Family, we've got to love our neighbor with a real love. outside of the scope of what you would normally do. Stop where you wouldn't normally stop.
put your love to action this week. Take a meal to somebody that's in need. It's been very cold. Give a warm blanket. Do something to show your love. Because we have to love with the love that we've been loved with. And the love that we've been loved with Jesus says that greater love has no man than this. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. Lay down your life for someone this week. And that means, that doesn't mean you got to die. But that doesn't mean you have to die to yourself to do something that might be uncomfortable. That might be not be normal for you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know about that love. Maybe you don't know about that kind of love, the kind of love that somebody would lay down their life for you. You might be in here saying that I've never been loved. No one's ever loved me. you said you would do.